Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hospitality City Podcast. This is your source for quality hospitality education. In this episode, we will discuss Italian wine. This is an introduction to the prominent wine regions of Italy and the wines that they produce. So Italy has such a rich history of not only wine production, but gastronomy and the overall enjoyment of food and wine and how it intertwines with their culture. For thousands of years, Italians have been enjoying wine with their food and dating back to the Etruscan times, well before the Romans ruled the world, the wine and food was an integral part of their not only celebratory festivities, but just their overall evening as well. It's been a time for families to come together and enjoy each other's company for thousands of years. And Italy is famous for serving wine with every meal at any time of day. It has a deep history with gastronomy and wine production and certainly producing local products that are consumed at the dinner table, whether that be food, wine, cheese, truffles, or any other agricultural products that grow locally. There are literally thousands of grapes throughout Italy, and we could do many podcasts on the different types of grapes and regions and types of wine that is produced around the country. But we're going to focus on some of the main regions and some of the main grapes to get you started on understanding a very complicated topic to the best way that we can. And that's by giving you the broad strokes of the most important and most prevalent wines that we see on our restaurant wine lists and how to describe them and talk about them in an educated and fun manner. So we're gonna start in the Northwestern portion of Italy. We're gonna go to a region called Piedmont or known as Piemonte. And we are going to talk about a really special grape that doesn't grow that fantastic in a lot of other places. However, in the communes of Barolo and Barbaresco, the Nebbiolo grape is king and produces a wine that is not only beautiful, not only age-worthy, but certainly a contender for one of the greatest grapes in the world. The Nebbiolo grape is notoriously finicky and grows on steep slopes that are often contending with fog and hail and just a number of climactic conditions that would normally make it very difficult to grow fine wine. However, the producers of Barolo and Barbaresco and many other small communes throughout the Piemonte area do a beautiful job with this grape and it can produce some beautiful wines. The style of Nebbiolo is a medium-bodied wine, bone dry and very age-worthy, showing all of those old world flavors and characteristics of non-fruit aromas. You find truffle and leather and forest floor aromas intertwined with very dried and somewhat ripe red fruit. 
And don't let the medium body or medium color in the glass fool you because Nebbiolo is notoriously tannic and notoriously acidic and has a immense structure to it that masquerades as a full-bodied wine, even though the color may be slightly pale. The communes of Barolo and Barbaresco produce wines at a normale level and a reserva level, which are wines that see extended oak aging, often in very large barrels. They don't use a lot of new oak in this region, and these wines really need to be laid down for a little while in order to show their full potential. But great Nebbiolo from a great vintage, produced by one of the classic producers, is truly beautiful and shows such a diverse array of aromas and flavors and can be a really beautiful addition to a night of dining. These wines definitely show better with food and the overall structure definitely is aided by a decanting before service. And when we're describing these wines to a guest, we always want to make sure that we are talking about that tannic nature, the slight acidity and even abrasiveness in its youth. But that abrasiveness is such a beautiful characteristic as the wine is decanted and opens up or is aged in the bottle properly. And great Barolo and Barbaresco is arguably one of the greatest expressions of not only red wine, but one of the greatest expressions of the land and the soil and the terroir that it comes from. Truly one of the kings of the wine world. And we will move from the northwest corner of Italy to the northeast corner of Italy and talk about a region called the Veneto. And specifically, Amarone della Valpolicella. And this is a wine that is made from a blend of grapes, but Corvina makes up the backbone of this particular wine. Amarone della Valpolicella is made in a specific manner where the grapes are laid out on straw mats and left to shrivel slightly before they are pressed and made into the juice that becomes the wine. In doing this, the sugars are concentrated and the syrup that gets pressed out of these grapes has so much extract in it and it really shows in the finished product. Certainly this wine has a fuller body to it, lots of color in the glass, and can have some elevated alcohol levels as the extra sugar or accentuated sugar will find its way into the fermentation process and turn into alcohol. Amarone is a beautiful wine for those who maybe don't love dry wine as much. And I always like to use Amarone as a nice entry level into Italian wine. It has a little more softness than you would find in some other Italian grapes. And given the fact that it has a perceivable sweetness, even though it may be technically dry, but it still has so much fruit and so much velvety texture that people that enjoy New World wines really like Amarone as an entry-level wine into the world of Italy. 
These wines can be a great recommendation for your Napa Valley wine drinkers who are looking for something with a little more earthiness and a little more diversity of flavor. Certainly, much like the wines of Italy and other places, Amarone della Valpolicella definitely shows an earthier edge and has a diverse array of non-fruit aromas. Dried plums and dried figs intertwined with slight tobacco notes can really pour out of the glass. And this is a wine that can age gracefully as well. A great Amarone from a great older vintage will be a little more pale in the glass than maybe it would be in its youth, but will still have that slight perceivable sweetness and prolific fruit intertwined with that non-fruit aroma and flavor that Italy is famous for. And we move down the coast of Italy and onto the Mediterranean side of the peninsula into the region of Tuscany. And what a fantastic region for not only wine, but food and culture, where dining is truly at the forefront of Tuscan culture. This is the bed of land where the Etruscans ruled well before the Romans took over the world. And Sangiovese is the king of this region. And while the super Tuscans of this region have certainly come to prominence in the last 25 to 50 years, it is Sangiovese that is the true king and really reigns supreme as the grape that Tuscany has really hung its hat on. In Chianti and Chianti Classico, Sangiovese can be a blend. Sometimes having some international grapes, but having some really unique local grapes like Caneolo and Colorino blended into it. We all know that Chianti can be a wide array of things from the small squat straw-covered bottles with very mediocre offerings inside to beautiful Reserva offerings that offer great value and certainly show what Sangiovese is capable of. And great Chianti Classico can be a true expression and a fantastic pairing with your dinner. It expresses the land that it comes from. It's certainly dry, medium to full-bodied, depending on what it's blended with. And you can find some really fantastic examples grown all over the Chianti region. But perhaps Sangiovese's greatest pursuit, its greatest expression, is found in the commune of Brunello di Montalcino. This small commune set up in the hills south of the Chianti Classico zone is notorious for producing one of the finest red wines in the world. This is pure Sangiovese with specific clones grown on specific soils in a very small delimited area. There can be a wide array of Brunello di Montalcino produced, while there are some produced at lower altitudes that have a more darker color in the glass, and then there's some that are light in the glass, but much like Nebbiolo, this wine has power without weight. 
the acidity levels are high, the tannin levels are high, and the Reserva offerings can age gracefully for many decades. Like most of Italy, the Montalcino area has a rich history of culture and gastronomy and serious winemaking. The wineries inside the Brunello de Montalcino zone take their product very seriously, and the quality level is astronomical. This is a wine that needs to be decanted, especially in its youth, and can show some hard edges when it's served young and right out of the bottle. But this labor of love shows beautiful when it has seen proper cellar time or proper decanting time and can be a great accompaniment to a wide array of meals. The flavor profile has bright red fruit, dried cherry, mixed with tobacco and leather, and lots of non-fruit aromas and flavors that make this wine so seductive. Great Brunello di Montalcino, like Barolo and Barbaresco, are true examples of how great Italian wine can be. And these wines are not to be overlooked and certainly to be talked about in the same breath as some of the great wines of the world. And we have to talk about some of the white wines of Italy. As we have gone through some of the great reds, the whites of Italy are equally as serious. And I'll start with a wine that we sometimes think is always mass-produced, but Pinot Grigio can really show some dynamic traits. Now certainly, there are some oceans of Pinot Grigio made in some low-lying areas of northern Italy that are made in such bulk that it would certainly only be suitable for your retail shelves at the bottom or in your grocery stores. And they serve a fantastic purpose, as Italians really do view wine as a grocery, not a luxury. And it does go without saying that there's a lot of Pinot Grigio made, and some of it might not be that fantastic. But there are some producers in places like Friuli and Trentino Alto Adige that are making serious expressions of the grape. In Friuli, there are small plots of land carved out for this grape that produce very vivid expressions of wine. You can find serious producers doing small production offerings of this grape and really getting the most out of what you can out of Pinot Grigio. And in Trentino Alto Adige, they're using elevation to heighten the acidity and show how great this grape can be. It usually never commands high prices and there can still be some fantastic expressions of Pinot Grigio. And I will take you back to the Piedmont region and go to a place called Gavi. Gavi de Gavi is a small commune in Piedmont based on the Cortese grape and produces a wine that can be medium bodied and have some texture and is usually unoaked. So it checks the box for a medium bodied white wine that goes great with shellfish and light dishes, has body and a little bit of weight, but doesn't have oak on it and can be clean and crisp on the palate. And if we were to continue back down the Mediterranean coast 
and go to a place called Campania, south of Rome, where some higher elevation expressions of white wine are truly fantastic. The Falangina grape has been grown there for a very long time, and these are expressions of white wine that show lots of non-fruit aromas and flavors mixed in with some really crisp, just ripe fruit. This is a great seafood wine and a fantastic first course wine or an, an aperitif. And you see Greco de Tufo grown in the Campania region as well. Another great Italian white wine that shows crisp acidity, great balance, and much like Falangina can offer fantastic quality levels at really approachable prices. The white wines of Italy are not to be overlooked. They can offer some fantastic value and really great quality. Italy has so many dynamic wine regions and so many grapes to choose from. I talked about some of the real big names in this podcast, but you could spend a lifetime traveling through Italy, learning about grapes, learning about the wines and the food, because there's so much diversity to this country. Just in Tuscany alone, you could spend a lifetime traveling through the small communes and drinking the local wines and eating the local cuisine. So it goes without saying that there is so much to learn and so much to talk about that I look forward to continuing with all of you. So thank you for joining me for this podcast on Italian wine. Be on the lookout for more hospitality education from Hospitality City. And be sure to check out www.hospitality.city for more content. Thank you very much, and I look forward to talking to you soon.